Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of the RPD Dispatch. I am John, better known as .50cal on the boards. Uh, and I'm also John, better known as Mr. Spencer on the boards. And I am Chris, better known as Al Zero on the forums. So today we have uh, quite a quite a lengthy podcast, I think. We have uh, we had the members play Resident Evil 1. Um, I played the uh, DS version. Which, which version did you play, John? I played Wipeout HD. <laughs> and by that he means I'm the sorry, PC version. Or at least you struggled a bit with the PC version, I hear. Well, I tried to get... I Well, I originally uh, was banking on the fact that my friend was going to bring my copy of the game, uh, the PlayStation version. Mm-hmm. However, he failed to deliver, so I had to thought, you know, what's, what are we going to do here? Uh, thanks to you, you sent me the PC version. But we'll, we'll get into uh, that a bit later. Uh, Chris, we'll get into that, yeah. which version did you play? I played the PS1 Director's Cut version. Okay, so there's the setup for the Resident Evil 1 section. We'll also kind of give you a, a taste of how we first came to the series. I, I guess starting with Resident Evil 1, you know, how we, how our introduction to the series was with Resident Evil 1. Um, in the second segment, we have a whole bunch of news. Uh, seems like all the news from last week was just pushed to this week, so there's several news stories which we'll be covering, including um, all the Tokyo Game Show news talk and and all that good stuff. And then in the third segment, we don't really have a third segment, but we do have a whole lot of call-ins from people. So people have called into our Skype voicemail message and also left us messages uh, through email and MP3s and all that. So we'll, we'll be getting to those. But uh, let's get into the first segment here. We'll be right back after these messages. One community. The Horror's Eye has established itself as the premier community for Resident Evil fans. Millions of fans. Like, oh my god, must be the hottest guy ever. He is so hot. I'd fight everybody just for him. He is mine so back on. Oh my god, it looks like Steven Seagal. In 1996, development began on a new project, a new was scrapped before its completion, but a beta of this project still exists. Its name... 1.5. Now, many seek this secret artifact, unaware of the terrible power it possesses. Member Colvin, he who controls the betas, controls the community. Ha <laughs> ha! My final mission! With the existence of betas made public, one man struggles to maintain order. Dot 50 Cal! Dot 50 Cal! Show us 1.5, please! Look, we don't have 1.5! We have no betas! Sir, the crowd is getting restless. Maybe we should show them the beta. No! They can't face this insidious power! And now, a twisted maniac seeks to seize control over the betas to rebuild his I will take all of your betas rule the community! You're insane, Calvin! Those betas weren't meant to be used in this way! You don't know what you're dealing with here! Now, this chaos unfolds. It's cool! 
He's taking the 1.5 bit. Rivals in the scheme. Kerbin has accomplished his mission. He has obtained the 1.5 beta. Project Umbrella is grateful for your work. I don't see what the big deal is. 1.5 is stupid. Leon doesn't even look cool. Now, in our darkest hour, No, they're all mutants. A madman must be stopped. So much for the horse life. Dot 50 cal. <laughs> and a conspiracy unraveled. There's evidence here about your involvement, and yet you stand here face to face with me and tell me that you had nothing to do with it? I told you before, my loyalties are with Project Umbrella, and now the beta is ours. This winter. So I guess everyone's really into this beta stuff, eh? From critically acclaimed Hollywood director Michael Bay. Hey guys, what's your favorite Leon hairstyle? I love how he looks in RE4. Prepare yourself for... 1.5. <laughs> wow. I, I don't know how we can follow up with that. Oh god. <laughs> that is amazing. Okay, uh... Just so, just so our listeners know, that was a, a slice of satire which was directed towards, uh, well, the, the general seriousness that people take uh, 1.5 and the betas in general. Yes, I, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you did, let us know because we'll, we'll probably work on others. Uh, <laughs> if it's, I, if it's I, well received, I don't know. I don't know we, we got a kick out of it, so just let us know what you think of it. Um, but we better get into the Resident Evil One section now, though. Yeah. Okay, so um, just before we begin with the specific versions we were playing, I'd, I'd kind of like us to touch on how we originally came to the series. Uh, I figured it's appropriate, being that I think all of ours was Resident Evil 1, the first game, yeah? Yes, yes, it yep. was. Okay, so I guess I'll go first, then John will go to you, and then Chris. Um, I, I, uh, I didn't have a PlayStation 1 at the time that I first found Resident Evil. I had gone to a blockbuster video to check out, you know, the games to see if I could rent one. And as I was looking on the aisle, I stumbled on the PlayStation section and they had this very large Resident Evil box. It was like uh, it wasn't like the long boxes. It was like a PC box more like. So, you know, it, it immediately caught my attention because it had the, you know, muscular Chris on the cover holding a giant gun which is like an amalgam of a Tommy gun and some other with, ridiculous thing. <laughs> with his bulging eyes. Yes, his bulging eyes, his bulging muscles. But, uh, yeah, so that caught my attention. I, I turned it around in the back and, you know, zombies and monsters, mansion. Hell yes, I was, you know, I'm a horror movie fan and it immediately caught my attention. So, I really wanted to play it, but I didn't have a PlayStation, so... And at the time, Blockbuster was renting PlayStation 1, so... I managed to convince my mother to actually rent one. I think it was... You had to put, like, a 100 or $200 deposit down as you rented it, so it was a big deal. And, uh... 
I got it. So I took it home and I, you know, I began playing it instantly. I, and man, it was it was fantastic, but it was damn hard. I uh, I kept dying a lot, and the worst part was I I found that I needed a memory card, and I didn't know this. So and they didn't provide you with one, so you were kind of screwed in that way. Especially because Resident Evil is such a long game, and at the time, you know, I was 12. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have uh, such great gaming skills back then. But I toughed through it, and on the last day of the rental, I managed to to get all the way to Yawn. And you know, I invited my friend over. I said, you know, get over here. I'm a, this giant snake. This game is awesome. So <laughs> he came over and <laughs> and he witnessed my uh, my death at the hands of Yawn. Because Jesus Christ, <laughs> even to this day, that boss fight's ridiculous unless you save like the proper ammo for him. But yeah, that's that's pretty much my story. So John, how about you? Uh, well, I don't think my story can uh, match yours and it's extra- uh, extravagant. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll try. Um, basically, I remember going around a friend's house. Uh, well, I say friend, more of an acquaintance, really. I wasn't too friendly with him anyway. But I digress. Um, I went around his house. And uh, I gave, he had a copy of um, Resident Evil One. I was like, "Oh, what's what's this game all about? I mean, what's this about?" He's like, "Oh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, you know, zombies in it and a mansion and that." And I was like, "Well, seems a bit, a bit different from the norm, you know. You're not playing a, a secret agent, not going around as a special forces soldier, what have you." So I thought, "Well, I'll give it a go." So uh, took it home. You know, I was about, you know, uh, must have been twelve or something, you know, eleven or twelve years old. Took the game back to my house and in the PlayStation and uh, I, I think oh this is really good this is a pretty good game this but then I got to the inside of it and it hit me how kind of scary it was unnerving you know when you're young and yeah. you're not, you don't have the you know, the the the, the, um, um, the mindset you have when you're an adult where you don't think really scares you that much anymore but when you're a kid you're easily frightened and I remember getting to the dining hall bit, it's like this blood and the music was so eerie, it was like, oh, what's going on here? And then suddenly the zombie comes through the door, because I, I, didn't, I didn't go through the door to go to the zombie, the zombie <laughs> came through itself. And I was hearing this, this horrible noise, and I was like, oh, this is, this is terrifying, this is horrifying, you know? <laughs> but uh, I kind of bared through it and got up to a certain point, but I can't quite recall. <laughs> Hmm. Still a fun memory, though. Yeah. How about you, Chris? Uh, mine was a really simple way of getting introduced to it. Uh, a long time ago, I guess it was right after the game had been released, I saw a walkthrough for it in a GamePro magazine, and it looked really interesting. It, I liked the way the, the mansion looked. I liked the way it kind of described it as a, a horror game and everything, and I was uh, really interested in it. But like John, uh, John.50, I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. But I was really interested in trying this, so just like him, I went to a Blockbuster, and they were renting PS1, so I got it, uh, got a PlayStation 1 rented and uh, checked it out, and I fell in love with it. And then after that, I ended up selling an old console and a few other things to get some money, and uh, I ended up buying it. And, and wow, it was just, it's just been my favorite game in the series since, since then. That's it's interesting that you say that you actually had to rent a PS One. I, I wonder how many PS Ones were sold because of the game. To be honest, <laughs> I don't know. Because that's the same, pretty much the same thing that happened to me. You know, I I bought a PS One shortly after that with uh, yeah my birthday I money. Wouldn't... I think the question should be: I wonder how many PS Ones were rented because of this game. <laughs> 
Okay, but um, to get on the specific versions, as you as you've heard already, you know, I played the DS version. Um, there's quite a quite a number of differences in that. Uh, I'll go into a few of them right now, like some specific examples. So normally, if you play the game and you come across Richard, you know, you'd have to run back and get the serum, and then he'd die anyway. But he'd give you his radio. As Jill, this is as Jill now here. Um, but in uh, DS, you actually give him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation using the microphone there. And sure that was a lot of Oh, yeah, it was great. Fun, <laughs> it was, uh, fantastic. Uh, you actually have to keep a nice, even rhythm, sort of like like you would do if you were actually giving mouth-to-mouth. -mouth. If you if you do it too hard or anything, you know, blood will spurt out of his chest, and, and Jill will go, oh, no. Uh, and that's another thing. Uh, they re-recorded... Uh, Richard's lines because he needed to have a new line of dialogue and it's as simple. He needed a new voice actor. Did you hear it in RA1? Absolutely abysmal. He uh, needed a new voice actor. Well, you'll be happy to hear that they've kept the tradition alive because the voice actor who filled in for him is also awful. So it keeps <laughs> it keeps the... Uh, I think it was intentional though because it was one of the guys at Capcom. They mentioned this on the Bionic Commando podcast that one of them had re-recorded his lines and, you know, kept the awful accent and everything like that. But basically all he does is tell you then that you got to set the dining room clock to 8.12 and you get a pack of shotgun shells. Whoop-de-doo. Um, so there's there's also the first-person view fights, which uh, personally I hate. Uh, they're very annoying and they really serve no purpose other than, oh, hey, you know, I'm going to go in this door and then all of a sudden it's going to trigger... Uh, me with a knife only in first person view killing zombies hunters and dogs and what have you it's just uh it's just, it's just a gimmick isn't it yeah really? it really is and personally i think this game didn't need it i mean with the touchscreen puzzles and all that it had more than enough to utilize the ds the ds's unique features but like it was just gimmicky to me it's especially horrible i think heligad was the one who told me cuz i couldn't find the doom book 1 this is uh, this all this is all of course playing rebirth mode, which is you know it's got a, a little bit of uh, different things in it. So Heligad was telling me you know, I said I couldn't find the Doom Book one, so she, so he said that uh, I should just go to the guardhouse again where I fought Plant Forty Two, and as soon as I did, you know it triggers a uh, first person view yawn fight. So you know you're fighting the giant snake, and whenever he opens his mouth you have to slash him. But the real problem is you know it's it's all it's all down the timing, and you're, you're going to die the first few times you fight him, which can be really frustrating, especially when you're, uh, you don't really have a lot of healing items. But eventually I did get to kill him, and, but man, it took, it took quite a while, because it, it's, it's such a terrible fight, though. Yeah, it's just really gimmicky, and I don't, I don't like it at all. I remember on the forums when Heligard, I think, I think he was Heligard, if memory serves me right, uh, he said, uh, oh, well, I'll go back to the room where you killed Plant 42, mm -hmm. and, and your reaction wasn't particularly good. You were like, no, I'm not going back there. That sounds bad. <laughs> Something bad's going to happen to me. Yeah, it didn't sound right, but, you know, I did it. There's also a couple things, like, uh, minor things, like when you drain the, um, when you drain the pool in the courtyard, if you go down the, the elevator there and to where the, uh, the waterfall's coming down now, blocking the the uh, catacomb entrance. There's a a baby Neptune there for some reason flopping around. So the, hmm. there's a couple little tweaks. Um, the models are definitely improved. So like 
they're way better than the PS1 version, which, you know, previous to this was the best version. Um, sounds okay. Uh, I think there's some new music tracks. I can't be certain, but, like, when the, um, when the countdown timer comes up, you can really hear, like, a different music track in the background, like, when the countdown to ex at the explosion and all that. Um, the backgrounds look okay, but there's certain things, like, red... Certain colors, I'm pretty sure they use JPEG compression or something like that for the backgrounds, where they just look really bad and pixelated. But all in all, I, I really I really like this version. Um, and I suggest anybody out there who has a DS, definitely pick it up because it has... It's pretty cheap right now, isn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. How much, how much are we expecting to pay out for this then, ooh. right now? Oh, man, I couldn't really say, but I think probably maybe 20 bucks, maybe even less now, 15 something like that. But, yeah, definitely pick it up because... It's it's really interesting. The only the only thing I would say is, you know, personally me, uh, I can't really play on handheld games, handheld game systems all that long. There's something wrong with my eyes where, if I play longer than an hour or so, my eyes really get messed up and I can't, I can't really focus on things. So, if you have that sort of a thing, it's it's a real bother and it it really pisses me off that the DS doesn't have video out where I could play this a lot more. But I really enjoyed it. So definitely try to pick it up because the rebirth mode introduces some new things. Oh, and one thing I do want to touch on: chimeras are ultimate bastards in this game. Uh, you meet them in the library when you when you go to get the uh, the mo disc, which isn't there by the way. Or yeah, yeah, it's not there. Uh, anyway, when you go there, you see the shadow of a figure, and I thought it was something to do with a new puzzle, but it turns out it's not, and it's it's just a chimera. But they're they're really really difficult in this version of the game. Uh, they're really lethal, so you're definitely gonna want to keep your distance between them. And um, you know they got a new skin, of course, new model. They're gray colored now as opposed to brown. But yeah, overall, uh, great great game. Uh, definitely pick it up, even if you have the originals. It introduces some new things, new puzzles. Um, you should definitely check it out, though. But uh, John, which you played PC? Uh, yeah, I uh, was initially going to play the PlayStation version, but I was banking too heavily on uh, my friend uh, you know, getting the copy of the game back. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been playing the... Oh, here we go. Yeah, I have been playing the, the Ori 5. <laughs> the PC version of Ori 1. Uh, well, I say play, trying to get it to work. Trying to play with it. Yeah, you've had a number of issues. Yeah, I see. I kind of... I managed to get it working... But you see, there are it installed fine. There was no problem there. Well, it was... wasn't there an error when you tried to install first? Um, it, it pops up an error, and then you could just ignore it, and it usually works. Yeah, an error did pop up, but I I, I ignored it, and then I uh, the installation continued. And I installed it, fair enough, no problems. Uh, and I know that a lot of people have been having issues with the PC version, particularly on uh, later machines, which are too you know they run too quickly for the game. Yeah, it speeds but, everything uh, up. Yeah, because this is the kind of game that came out when, you know, you had 90, 95, 98. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have a problem with that, what I recommend you do if you want to play the game is try a program called CPU Killer. Now, what that does is it slows down your CPU so that it doesn't run the game as fast. Uh, it doesn't run it too fast. You know, it slows the game down so that it can yeah, I play should, it more smoothly. I should clarify there, it, it doesn't underclock your CPU, which is rather dangerous to do. What it does is it just gives your CPU a high workload so that, you know, there's only 20% or so. It's adjustable, isn't it, John? 
Uh, yeah, you can adjust the different uh, settings on it, so you know, just to get the the sweet spot you need for the game. Yeah, so it just it just bogs down your CPU enough to where there's only twenty percent or ten percent, whatever you set left for the game. Yeah, it it just kind of increases the workload, mm -hmm. so that you have like only twenty percent CPU processing power available. So therefore, it runs much slower, and therefore the game can run you know uh, normally, if you will. But don't forget, this is a very old game. Um, you know, it came out ninety. You know, 95, 98 kind of era with Windows. Yeah. So again, if you've got XP or Vista, then your best bet is to use CPU killer. Um, if you can get it to work, which I did nine times out of ten, well, eight, seven, <laughs> uh, uh, you kind you, you of have some fun with it. You can, like, but the problem is there are many different graphics cards to choose from. It's like uh, choose what graphics card your computer has. It doesn't really matter, but you know, there's things like you know, from uh, graph, 3D FX, whatever have you, uh, whatever. And they're all like uh, four megabyte RAM, right? Yeah, <laughs> they're really archaic uh, graphics cards here. But you can select any one. However, even if you do resolve the issue of the uh, the game running too quickly. Uh, you still have a number of graphical issues to contend with. Uh, for example, you can play the game and suddenly the character models, like they'll, they'll say if Jill walks over to some place and then walks back to another location, uh, her her character model, or rather part of her part of her character model, will remain in that place, like flickering on and off. You know, you know oh, kind of like man. like for some reason Wesker's head appeared somewhere else in the room. <laughs> and, and, or, <laughs> I was like, what's going on here? Like, Wesker's there, and suddenly his head is over near the stairs, and the typewriter, what, what's going on here? So, I think I couldn't get it to play too well. I'm sure other people, with more time, can, you know, get something to work out of it, get it more play out of it. It is playable. I think it might also However, be certain, like, graphics cards it'd probably work fine with, because as far as I know, when I tested this a while back, you know, back when I had a... Uh, a video card last year it it seemed to work fine graphically so it could even be like down to specific configurations of people's hardware yeah, yeah i mean the problem is the problem is uh if your computer is too fast you can do cpu killer when you get the graphical problems to deal with but with that you can just kind of do a bit of like you said configuration here and there a bit of tweaking mm -hmm. and uh you know it is playable with a bit of work with elbow grease you can get it to work and you can have a lot of fun with it, you know. It's it's just uh, it's just the same game as it is in the uh, PS PSX version, what have you. But you've got the added bonus of it being a PC version. Therefore, uh, you can add you know mods to it. You could do all kinds of things with it. You know, you can enhance it, modify it, whatever you want. You have that uh, the openness with the game that you don't have with any other version. John, no. Uh, so. You also had crashing issues, though, right? Am I correct? It would, it would yes, sometimes crash that's on you. Something I sadly neglected to mention. You definitely will have crashing issues, so be prepared to deal with those as well. Yeah. Um, what happened with me was I set it to you know six four uh, six forty by four eighty or something along those lines, and that's the highest resolution it would go. <laughs> and, uh, it would it would play, but then I would just get a black screen, and I would uh, you know do the three fingered salute, control delete, but then I would get nothing. You know, just I'd just see my mouse cursor on the screen, and they were like, "Well, what's going on here? The, the box isn't popping up. How do I end this program?" 
and uh, you know trying all kinds of you know the escape button, all kinds of combinations to you know get rid of this black screen, this ominous black screen. And in the end, I just had to uh, you know use the power button. That's so drastic it you got in the end. And... I'd be interested to hear if anybody on the forums got it working properly though, because. I think that so would I. if it's if so it's as I. difficult as it seems to be, I think it'd be nice to get a feature up on the site with you know a toolkit containing the the proper things you'll need to get the game to run properly these days. Because you know it might be worth it looking into that. So if anybody has anything, you know, make, leave a comment on the on the on the yeah, podcast. That'd be be more than appreciated, believe me. I mean, if you can get like a little toolkit together, a CPU killer, yeah. and anything else you might need. No problem. I mean, you could always go on Google and search. You know, utilize the power of Google to find the answers you see. Ed, Chris, you, uh, you played the uh, the PlayStation version, the original, correct? Not the, or did you play Director's Cut? I'm not sure. I played I played Director's Cut. Oh, okay. So tell us about that a bit. Well, it has three modes, which kind of surprised me because I actually didn't remember the training mode. Now, the first time I played, I started on standard mode as a with Chris, and I immediately died. Because I just I totally <laughs> underestimated it. When you when you're coming off from playing Resident Evil three, then Resident Evil two, you just keep going backwards a little bit. And I, I totally underestimated the controls and and playing it a bit. I, I hit a point where I I actually dropped my controller and I picked it up and I allowed some zombies to get close to me. And I I thought I was just going to be cool and try to knife knife the closest one, and that didn't work. What ended up happening was I had a couple of zombies get right up on top of me. So one grabbed me, started biting me. I push him off, but the other one's just standing there. Unlike Resident Evil 2 and 3, if you push a zombie off, generally the ones around you will also get pushed away. But in this version, they don't. It just kind of stands there waiting for you. <laughs> it's like, hey. It's interesting. You, know, you can almost follow the series' uh, like advancements through that. So in RE1, you know, the, you just get murdered if there was multiple ones. In RE2, yeah. if you push them off, you only the ones that are in the direction of that zombie would get pushed. And then in RE3, it doesn't matter if they're behind you, in front, on the side, every one of them gets pushed back. So, <laughs> Yeah, in Resident Evil 1, if you get pushed into a corner, so unless you have like a shotgun or something, you're screwed. What was that, John? And it's like the series has gotten progressively easy as it's gone on. Mm-hmm. You start yeah. RE1, you know, it's very unforgiving. Uh, yeah. RE2, again, it's difficult. Oh, we free. Oh, hello. Dodge feature. Thank you very much. That's helpful. Zombies all fall away when you push them off. Great news. And then RE4 comes along, and that's a huge run and gun fest. Yeah, I also had a little bit of ammo problems when I started standard mode, but that might have been just me just remembering that it was a little easier than I thought it was, and it actually wasn't. Because so. I didn't actually go back and pick up the clips off Kenneth's body. I thought I could just go... Th- up through the uh, second floor a little bit first and not worry about it. And that caused me a little bit of uh, pain. So after that, I went through, uh, I thought I'd just, just play through the training mode just to not only see what it actually did, but just to kind of get a, get back a feel for the game and everything. Apparently, uh, Wesker from Survive Horror told me that it's actually the Japanese mode, the Japanese normal mode. Oh, wow. Which, which is, uh, which is uh, kind of crazy because it's extremely easy I mean, I guess that's why they call it the training mode. You get double ammunition, and uh, I think enemies might be a little easier to kill because a few, you know, sometimes zombies would take just like four or five rounds, whereas when I started that standard game, 
I'd, I'd shoot them like four or five times. They'd go down, then they'd get back up. I'd shoot them another three or yeah. four times and go, go down again. But in this one, in the training mode, they didn't do that. And I, I actually breezed through it pretty easily, and, and it wasn't near as near as hard. But I got, I got familiar with that, which helped me, uh, helped me the next time I played through it. I mean, and don't forget, I mean, ammo is very scarce in RE1. Uh, you have to conserve your ammunition. You have to you know, really be pretty frugal with it. Whereas in RE3, you can just oh, make my own out of this gunpowder, whatever. Here, yeah, I've got a fine there. Well, actually, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's that bad. It it is a little bit right to start off with. Unlike the other games, like when you're playing Resident Evil 2 on normal mode, you can reach the police station without killing a single zombie. And if you pick up all the handgun rounds, you'll have about 90 rounds or so. But in this one, it is a little harder to get started, you know, because I'd, you'll only get like a couple of clips. Go ahead, John. I'd actually. I wanted to say the same thing because in in the rebirth mode in RDS, uh, you get a flood of ammo. Like I had, I I used ammo pretty liberally. I I killed you know everything I could basically, and I had 129 uh, handgun clips. This is partially because um, if you when you do the knifing mode in first person, like it'll trigger this randomly. So if, when you do that, they'll sometimes drop an item after uh, after your encounter there and usually it's a, either a clip or an herb but yeah I've, I by the end of the game I had 129 or so uh, Beretta clips and several several uh, Colt Python rounds I, I mean I had like must have had nearly 50 rounds by the time I, I completed the game yeah yeah I found it was it was a little rough at first but once you started finding ammunition you actually got enough that you could that you had plenty, you really did, yeah. and it wasn't much of an issue. Now you didn't get as plentiful, in my opinion, as like Resident Evil Two or, <clears throat> excuse me, Resident Evil Three, but it it was it wasn't as bad as it, as, as it initially tries to make you think that you're, you're going to be hard tough on ammo. In fact, in the rebirth mode, uh, there's two, I believe it's two uh, Beretta clips, fifteen and fifteen, and then two shotgun shell uh, packs in the item box, so. All in all, the game's pretty easy, but there's certain parts like, you know, the first-person knifing segments, which are rather annoying. Where can you go for the finest weaponry in Raccoon City? Kendo Gun Shop. Who does the RPG trust with all their firearm customization? Kendo Gun Shop. Where can you get the latest firepower? Kendo Gun Shop. For 20 years, Kendo Arms has been keeping our streets safe. Utilizing our years of experience and knowledge, we give you peace of mind and the best in home security. Whether you're a competition shooter or into home security, Kendo Gun Shop has you covered. As my brother Joe says, But don't you worry, we keep it a close eye on things. Alright, so now we're on the news segment of the uh, podcast here. Uh, there, as I said in the intro, you know, there's a ton of news here. So, I guess we'll just dig right into it. Um, I'm not going to really go in any order here we'll just sort of break down the points here so the first one is uh wesker's confirmed to be in resident evil 5 there's been various magazine scans and also uh something else coming up that confirms that he's in the game so what do you guys all think about that well first of all i've got to say i can appreciate the jc denton look that he's gone for with the uh, you know the trench coat and the sun <laughs> you know it's it's uh, it looks like uh Yep, looks like J.C. Denton. That's all I've got to say. And Steven Seagal. Yes, Steven Seagal. Uh, several people have said this. A lot of people have, uh, 
Yeah, a lot of people have uh, drawn up similarities between uh, Wesker and everyone's favorite superhero. Chris, what about you? Uh, I'm not surprised. It, it's Considering how popular of a character he is and the little background uh, role he had in Resident Evil 4, it's, it really isn't a surprise that he's coming in on Resident Evil 5, but we'll just have to see how much of screen time he actually gets. But considering Chris is the main character... Oh, yeah. And and they're like these rivals, then I guess he's going to show up a lot more than than just being a background role. Yeah, definitely. All right, next uh, next news bit here is uh, the Biohazard remake that was on the GameCube is getting a Wii release on Japan. Uh, it's set for December 25th. Uh, early reports are that it'll be a direct port similar to the Resident Evil Zero, but one new addition is that it'll have horizontal Wii Wiimote controls. Um, Capcom USA, uh, or Capcom says it's being ported because Zero has met their sales expectations in Japan, uh, and while they don't have any plans to bring them stateside yet, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So, I guess, good, yes, no? I mean, uh, per personally, I don't, I don't really mind it, I guess. Uh, I do think it's a bit lazy and everything. Um, Cash in. Yeah, in fact, I think even Nintendo now is re-releasing GameCube games as Wii ones. There's like six or so of them set to be doing. So I guess it's, they've seen uh, Capcom's success and they decided to do uh, do the same. Well, they've realized that people are looking at the Wii now and saying, "Hang on, hang on a second, this is a GameCube." <laughs> <laughs> I've already got one of these. I want to play my GameCube games on it. Will they still work? Yes, they can, Mr. Miyamoto comes or whatever his surname is. Here's a here's a version of the game for the Wii GameCube, whatever. It's a new release. It's already been on the GameCube, but we're re releasing it as a new Wii title now. For me, uh, I, I kind of like it because it'll allow me to capture in 480p properly, because if you force the GameCube ones into 480p, there's all kinds of hilarious errors where people sink into backgrounds and such, but I don't know. I guess uh, for the general populace, oh well, Capcom gets more money. Yep. <laughs> Alright, um, next segment here. Uh, there's a special Resident Evil 5 themed Japanese magazine which will be released around the Tokyo Game Show time. Not really sure what it is yet. Uh, it seems to be like the PlayStation 3 magazine for Famitsu. We're not really sure, but uh, it includes a DVD but we don't know what's on the contents. Um, but a, a, a story that's coming up might be able to shed some light on that. And there's also some bonus items like bandanas that are going to be at uh, Tokyo Game Show. So you'll get you'll be able to buy those. Uh, they're Tricell themed, which is apparently the chemical company that's going to be in Resident Evil 5. Uh, I think the Chesty Mc, McBoobinson, or what's her name? <laughs> what's the name? Oh, they're, they're uh, try or Tricell will last for five minutes before Wesker takes over, guts it, and uses its resources to further his own ambition. <laughs> like he did with Umbrella, he'll just do it again. Mm -hmm. do it, that's what he's in his character. He'll do it again. He'll fuck this girl over. This, uh, what's her name again? Tits McGee, the breasted I, chick. I believe it's Excella Gione, something like that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah that. Tits McGee, Excella yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Moving on from that, there's a bunch of new screenshots that's been released. Uh, there was four of them on the Capcom blog a couple days earlier, and then just like a day or so ago, there was 22 that were released. They don't really show anything different, but they just show more of the same, you know, different different scenarios. The different. graphics are very impressive, I've got to say. Yeah, um, 
one of the things in particular I noticed about them was the motion blur that's being applied on the one where crates or Chris yeah, crates blowing up Chris. No, where Chris is like uh, stabbing the crates. One of the things I noticed was that the motion blur on that is like a higher precision than the consoles are capable of with the framework engine. So my my assumption is they are from the PC version, which it fits because you know it's a, it would be like a game for Windows title, so it would have. I think uh, I think you're underestimating the capabilities of the cell processor. No, I I don't okay. think I am. <laughs> I, I, I think you are. The cell processor is the key to winning this console war, and soon it will end, and we shall have peace. Well, you're wrong because the motion blur has nothing to do with the CPU. It's all in the GPU, and they aren't DirectX 10 capable. GPUs that are in not, the PS3. No, 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 I'm not listening. <laughs> Alright, moving on from that, uh, there will be a new trailer at Tokyo Game Show. Uh, Famitsu revealed this. Uh, it'll be a five-minute trailer, uh, and at Tokyo Game Show there will also be a 15-minute gameplay demo, which uh, people will be able to play. Um, the trailer is supposed to reveal Wesker and his involvement in the title, so we're assuming that this trailer will be on the DVD for the Famitsu magazine, but you know, what do you guys think? New trailer, five minutes long, Wesker included? Sounds good? I think some bloke on the forums put it best. Some bloke on the forums put it best. He said it's a five-minute trailer. That'll be three minutes of old footage, two <laughs> minutes of logos, and one minute of new footage at the very end. <laughs> which I thought, uh, I thought uh, was brilliant. That's exactly what it's going to be like. It's quite, quite an apt... Uh... It's summed it up to a T right there. <laughs> he did. So um... Probably. So now the next next thing, uh, Games TM. Uh, I guess it's a UK magazine. I'm not entirely sure on that. It's English language. Um, What's that called again? Games TM. No, I don't heard of that one. Okay, well, uh, scans hit earlier this week, um, which I guess they sort of scooped the EGM article, which came out a couple of days later. But some of the main points from uh, the interview there are uh, a demo is coming early next year. However, that could just be speculation from the magazine. But I think we all know a, a demo will be coming for the game, you know. And traditionally, oh, yeah. you know, the the uh, RE4 demo was just the E3 one with a bit bit of new additions. Um, also, early reports indicated that the African heat would cause hallucinations and dehydration in Chris. Uh, I think that was one of the main points fans latched onto as you know a whole new gameplay mechanic. But Takeuchi confirms that this was a mistranslation from an interview, since the Japanese word for heat and light are very similar. So I guess that kind of ends some uh, beta speculation by people who sort of obsess over that stuff. Um, several. Don't mention the word betas around these people. <laughs> so then the final thing, uh, final big news brief from that would be that uh, the magazine says several BOWs from the pre-RE4 era will return. Uh, this got dogs. Just dogs. <laughs> this got several people uh, excited. You know, I I hope it's not the game, the games TM magazine just speculating because they've seen, you know, this terrible looking bat creature, or whatever the hell that is. But I I really hope it is actual, you know, hunters because I think. Wait a second, bat creature. I don't see any bat creatures in pre-RE4 games. No, no, no. I think probably they're. They, uh, they could be, you know, speculating that because there's these mutant creatures now that, you know, the old uh, pre-RE4. But I, I hope I hope we see hunters or something like that because I think they'd well, we've be... Seen, we've seen this... Um, Let me uh, finish! I've got to interject. I'm sorry. Just, just one sec. Just one sec. Wait, wait, okay. wait. Okay. 
the floor is yours. But I'd be really interested if they if they added hunters because I think with the with the gameplay style we have now, they could be really, you know, somebody put it on the forums, they could be really deadly and interesting. But you were gonna say, John? I forgot what I was gonna say now. <laughs> oh, fail! Oh. <laughs> Wait, hang on. No, yeah, it's that leech monster. Remember, there was a leech monster in one of the trailers for Ori Five. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And that's reminiscent of the leeches in Ori Zero. Mm, I suppose they look. They look more like leeches. I bet you. I bet you. I bet you that leech thing is Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> it looked more like a, one of the uh, Ganado or whatever they're calling them now, just wrapped up inside all of those things. But no, no, you dig away all the leeches, it'd be an old man inside it. Okay, uh, our next next news bit here is uh, Degeneration is getting a PSP release. Yay! It's a dead format. What? Where's the point? Yeah, yeah. really. Uh, it's like, oh, it's, it's coming on UMD. Oh, wait, oh, what's that? <laughs> what, what do you mean what's that? Oh, it's a, is that, that dead format that Sony released, but then they thought it was a flop, and then they released those stupid memory stick duos with films on, like SWAT. That was a, <laughs> that was a, that was a colossal failure, wasn't it? It's like... Oh, the UMD has failed, but we release these memory sticks now. Memory stick duo that have a film on it of your choice that you could watch. Have they done that? Yes. They, yes, they did. They released this, uh, they, I think it was the Media Entertainment Pack or something they called it. Oh. And what it was, was it was like a memory stick duo with a film on it. It was like Hitch or SWAT. <laughs> uh, and you could, it was like your choice of these two crappy movies. And you could watch them on your PSP because Hitch is the, because SWAT rather, SWAT is the, the, the most ideal film to watch while you're sitting on the toilet taking a shit. <laughs> okay. So more... Because that's what the film is. More information about Degeneration here. Um, more info will be revealed at Tokyo Game Show. Um, and also the film will premiere at this year's Tokyo Game Show on October 10th in Japan. Meanwhile, North America, the film will get its debut in New York City on November 13th at the Horror Film Festival. Uh, the West Coast... Yeah, the West Coast gets its first look at the at the film in uh, Los Angeles on November 18th. I don't think there was any specifics there of as, as what event that'll be shown at, but there you go. They get to see firsthand how bad it is. Oh, I have hope, uh, but not, oh, a, not a lot. Doing never have hope. Hope <laughs> opens the door to disappointment. Okay, moving on. Um, I guess the final bits of news here. Um, it's been revealed that the saving system is split up into checkpoints and chapters. Therefore, typewriters are gone. Uh, no. This... no. That means the save room music's gone. I know. That's exactly what I was going to get at, John. The, the save room music. I, it was so great in Resident Evil 4, but you know, I can't imagine a game where it's not in it. I can. That game is already 5. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean... Good that we're not going to be using ink ribbons, I guess, but bad that we won't hear that that haunting music. You know, you you're safe from terror for for this one room segment here. You know, they won't have that no more. Did Ari Ford use ink ribbons, or didn't didn't you just run up to it and save? Oh, geez, you know what? I think you might be right. Yeah, it. Geez, I shouldn't remember that. But um, moving on, um, there's also two more quick segments here. Uh, there's no friendly fire in the game, which is a good thing, I guess, because you know. If you're shooting a shotgun at your partner when she's getting attacked, you don't really want to have to worry about aiming it precisely. Or just, just to interject here, I know we're not about friendly fire, but what's all this I'm hearing about Chris shaving Shiva's ass? What? What? 
Someone said in the, someone said in the forums, it's like Chris will shave Shiva's ass. What did, what's that about? Was that a mistranslation? Or? Did somebody uh, like just type wrong or something? I think it's a typo. It's probably me meant to say Chris saves Wait, Shiva's ass. Was this in a magazine? Someone says shaves. Was it like hang on? Was that in a magazine or? It's just a mini game. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and the final uh, the final news here is uh, Chris is always in control if you're the first player. So the only the only time you'll be able to take control of Sheva is if you are player two, which I guess is expected, but it's kind of disappointing because I'd like to maybe go through that. But Takeuchi says you know Chris is the main character. This is his story. Shiva's really just there, or Sheva, whatever. It's just there as a guide. I came to this city as an engineer more than 35 years ago. I have made contributions to the city's electrical system and helped with the installation of the cable car. In 1992, it was my fifth year as the mayor of our beautiful city. It was then that through many donations and hard work, our city was able to rebuild the municipal building and create a state-of-the-art hospital. I pledge to follow the tradition of this fine city and will devote my life to its prosperity. So now the third segment, we have uh, a number of people call in, which is great. Uh, we always love hearing from you guys, and you know we, we certainly love to put you on the podcast here. So first up, we have uh, for a member of the Selfish Gene. He called in. Um, I believe he played the, Sa- the Sega Saturn version of Resident Evil One. So let's let's see what he has to say. Hello, everyone. My name is Gene. On the forums, you'll see me as the Selfish Gene. I'm there quite often. Today I've called in to talk about Biohazard on the Sega Saturn. It's one of the rarer versions of the original game, and probably one of the most interesting. First, I'll talk about the technical aspects. Now, the textures look worse than any other version of the game. There's parts where they just look shocking, especially the, the clock in the dining room. That looks really poor. The models also may be a lower quality. They may be a bit higher. I don't have the tools to check. Yeah, I don't. I haven't really checked that out myself, but I'd assume they're lower because everyone says Saturn 3D is, you know, not as good as PlayStation. So I'd assume worse. Is it something to do with the? Uh, oh, what was it now? I think they was they used triangles, didn't they? The Saturn as the as the um, model thing. Well, I don't know anything about games. But... <laughs> well, no, <laughs> all basic 3D models use triangles. You know, they it's connecting the different polys together to form a, a flat surface, but yeah. I'm, I'm pretty but sure... But I'm sure they use something different, like squares. Are you going by this because the Sega Saturn logo shatters into triangles? Well, the... <laughs> yes. yes. No, I, yeah. all 3D models are basic triangles, so no. Alright, we'll continue with Gene. The door loading sequences in the game are a bit longer than in the original. It's not a whole lot longer, but it is noticeable. Now, now I'm going to talk about the content of the game. It's very, very similar to the original, of course, but there's a few little nice extras for the Saturn players. First, Chris's game has two tyrants in the lab boss fight. Now, these two tyrants you fight one after the other, so the fight is sequential, not at the same time. Now, I would have really liked the challenge of fighting two tyrants simultaneously, but it's... It's sort of a cheap way to make it difficult. It's not more difficult. You just have to fight for longer. So it drains your ammo a bit. But that late in the game, you don't really... So it's 
it's not that it's not any more challenging. You just have to fight longer. Uh, so that's a bit cheap, but it's interesting. The the uh, background's actually a bit different. There's a second capsule in the room where he bursts out of. It's closer to the door. That's no, that's interesting to me. I I don't I have I never played the Saturn version to the end, but that sounds kind of triangles. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I've never seen that. I'd like to see that. Yeah, I'd really like to see a video of that too, though, because I wonder if it's any different or if it if I, it looks different. I have or... to say, uh, I do agree with Gene. I would have liked the challenge of fighting two tyrants would have been pretty good. Yeah, that would. Oh yeah, time. definitely. Been, been I think it would have been doable as well because you know they they tend to walk slow, so it'd just be a matter of getting them on the same you know angle towards you, so that that you're not. And it's only six magnum bullets to take one down, so I think you'd be pretty good. Unless... Well, then here's the, well, here's the question. What about fighting those two tyrants on the heliport? Hey, there you go. Just got to time it so you're not too far away from them to start them running, and that'd be good. I, but knowing RE1's AI, though, I think there might be gang rape situations like Chris <laughs> encountered in the beginning. But let's continue with what Gene says. Auto-aim is present in the Saturn version, which was originally introduced in the uh, Director's Cut version. Oh, I'll just correct him there real quick. Uh, the Japanese version had auto-aim, the original, but uh, the they took it out for the U.S. because, you know, we, we're hardcore. That's right. But this Saturn version might predate the director's cut by one or two days. I'm not sure on the release date, so I'll have to check. But, yeah, it's a very... Auto-aim is there, one of the very earliest games to have it. There's one new enemy in the game, which is the Ticks. They're only seen in the underground area. They're based on hunters, similar sounds to their footsteps. Their cries sound a little modified. They're based on hunters quite a lot. They don't seem to jump around quite as much. They can't leap and slice your head off, but they do have a one-hit kill. They have like a, an extendable arm, and they, they use it to catch you, drag you back next to them, and then slice your head off. Now... I did not know this. I knew I know there either. were I know there were ticks and I remember seeing like a screenshot of them, but I'd really like to see the behavior. I know Project Omega is very into like enemy enemy behavior and he'll he'll find out all these really interesting things about the AI and everything. So I'd love to see a report from yeah. him on them. I like uh I like how much he sounded like a biologist. Like he was studying this as an actual <laughs> creature. Like he's David Attenborough, you know, he's He's just watching this tick thing, and he's like, oh, it uh, appears to extend its arm forward to <laughs> capture its prey. Like he's like he's he's got a dictator, uh, dictaphone, whatever, you it's, know. And it's perfect. Yeah. It's actually really cool to see. It's, it's a nice little extra. They don't do it a lot. You, you have to be quite weak for them to do it, but they do do it. It's really cool. You don't spend too much time with them altogether, though. Maybe only two or three rooms from memory. Maybe as few as two. Um, they, they they were just really under-implemented. And I think one encounter you actually have to backtrack to once they've respawned in a room. So they're just not well implemented, that's all. They they sort of go to waste, and they replace the hunters in the underground area. There's no hunters there anymore. So wherever you see a hunter, there's a tick or two ticks for two hunters. I wonder if that applies to the cutscenes as well then, because that'd be interesting. Oh, yeah. So, it's pretty much one for one. They're, they're similar enough. Biohazard on the Saturn also has new costumes, but they're really not all that special. 
Jill's costume's pretty much a standard costume with green shoulder pads, green pants, and a green beret. She's got uh, a blue undershirt, very similar to the one in the main game, but it's maybe a darker shade. It's hard to tell. Chris's new costume's also very similar to his original. It's just in shades of dark blue and black. So dark blue trousers, dark blue shirt. Looks like a black vest. Could be also very dark blue. He's gone from biologist to fashion designer now. <laughs> I haven't unlocked this actually. I'm going off pictures in the Japanese guidebook. It's actually harder to unlock the costumes than I remember in the original. Or at least in the remake. I beat the game even under three hours. And I got the rocket launcher. But I didn't get the special key which makes me think you need the best ending to get the costumes. I'm not sure if that's how it was in the original or just the satin. There's a battle mode, which is unlocked after completing the main game. Now there's 15 rooms in the battle mode. You can play as either Chris or Jill. They both have different weapon sets. Chris has 6 storage slots, Jill has 8 storage slots. And the weapons they access are the same as the ones they can in the main game, so there's nothing new there. The enemies and layout is the same for both characters. Every five rooms, you get a chance to access a storage box. So you can heal, you can, get, you can change guns, you can get more ammunition for the guns you have. The room before the storage access, you always fight a boss. Some of the bosses are Yawn, Plant 42, and the Black Tiger Spider. They're, not, they're no more difficult here than they are in the main game. You fight them in the same rooms, it's just like the main game. Now, everyone knows there's a Wesker zombie who's very tough to kill. He's a nice little easter egg, but that's about it. He's not too threatening. The final boss is a gold tyrant. He's as fast as a regular tyrant. He seems to damage a character the same as a regular tyrant. He just seems to take a bit more ammunition to kill. Now, now okay, we're, we're in Capcom, Capcom R&D here. Guys, uh, how how can we distinguish this tyrant from from the rest? What do you have any ideas? Well, uh, well, uh, kids seem to like gangster stuff nowadays with bling and, and gold and stuff. We 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 should make him a very good idea. Make him gold? Yes, yes, excellent idea. Yes, that's that's he's gold and shiny and and say, oh, he looks different because he's gold colored. He must be harder to kill. He's not that interesting. And I think that sort of sums up the whole game. It's interesting, but it's more of the same. They didn't really, really break any new ground. So one tyrant, two tyrants. Hunters, ticks. And they just have variations. Gold tyrant, tyrant, Wesker, zombie Wesker. And it's, it's not more interesting to play as well. It's, it's really the same. I think you'd be better off just watching the extra content on YouTube. You, and because I don't know how hard it is to get Resident Evil on a Saturn and to find a working Saturn. But I imagine, it's, from what I understand, it's quite a rare version and you could spend a lot of time and expense tracking down a copy of the Saturn version. The new extras just aren't well implemented and there's no really new challenges there. The ticks are barely featured and the battle game isn't too deep or difficult. So, I'll say again, it's interesting to play, but I wouldn't lose sleep over not playing it. Okay, so that's, uh, that's sort of my thoughts and comments on the Saturn version. Oh, th thanks for that, Gene. Um, it's nice to hear somebody 
somebody who played through uh, a different version than us, giving us a nice detailed report. I, quite quite good. Uh, I I kind of want to go play the Saturn version now. <laughs> I've got to say, I uh, I love his delivery. It's like he's actually there in the mansion himself, walking around, observing what's going on, <laughs> and then recording his findings on the dictaphone. It's it's great though. Yeah, it, it, I love it. <laughs> it's, it's great delivery. It's like ah, looks like Chris is going past. He's wearing a pale blue shirt. <laughs> if we ever need <laughs> if we ever need somebody to do that for a skit, I think we could contact Gene and, and definitely get him to, to answer. He's, he's perfect. He's already proven himself in one of our projects. He so. has. All right, so the next question we have here is from uh, our next comment question. Uh, Andy Andy Faroo from the, from the boards. Hey, I've been playing the original Resident Evil game recently along with the um, remake. So my question is, which version do you guys prefer? The original game or the high-res graphics and gameplay of the remake? And why do you prefer it? Personally, I prefer the remake because they improve graphics and stuff and makes the game seem much more darker. Plus the little extras you put in there like Lisa Trevor, the file talking about Alexia and how they've improved Barry's character. Oh, this is a pretty good question, in my opinion. Um, I guess Hello, countryman. I guess I'll go first. Uh, yeah, sure. It's kind of a hard question for me, because while I do appreciate the remake's graphics, I think in some areas it's it's lost a bit of the charm that the original had. Like, for instance, the music. Uh, Resident Evil 1 on the PlayStation throughout, all it had, you know, it's had its iconic music. It distinguishes each location, in my opinion. In in the remake, you have a lot more brooding music, where it's just dark, dark tones and 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 stuff like that. It doesn't really stick out until you really get to the guardhouse and you have that, you know, that classic guardhouse music st- starts playing. But I don't know. For me, I think I'd probably have a preference for the PlayStation version. But I do I do definitely appreciate what the remake did. You know, it brought brought some new things, especially with Lisa Trevor, how it actually brought. You know, Trevor's into the game and actually had them uh, be part of the canon, even if it wasn't in the same way that uh, that you know the <clears throat> the original Trevor's letters had. But uh, what do you think, John? Uh, this is how we can summarize it. Really, uh, remake had a lot more atmosphere, but the original had a lot more charm. Yep, I think that probably summarizes it pretty well. Chris, how about you? Uh, pretty much the same. Uh, I love them both, and they're great. But it's just the original. It just has a certain charm to it that none of the other games have ever been able to quite replicate. Yeah, I think it's a lot of it has to do with the the way the mansion was designed. Like you know, the main hall is this open, spacious, echoey hall, and in, in the remake, it's kind of a sort of a condensed room. You know, there's lots of objects in it. It's it looks well lived in. You know, the in the original, it just had this eerie feeling throughout. You know, this. This, this abandoned mansion and it was so sparse because you know technology at the time didn't really allow for them to to, to spend a lot of time detailing the interiors and such uh, and, of, and of course the voices the voice acting oh, I, I can't lose to a lot of the charm in the original no kidding like oh yeah you see people all the time say you know all oh, terrible voice acting but if you're if you're like a real fan you know you've been there from the beginning you know you've come to love the uh, the cheesiness of, of the voice acting and everything I think. Like, well, well, the original was kind of presented as to be like a like a B movie horror yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And after that, they it went you know when it was so popular, they made it more mainstream and tried to get make everything improve to be more mainstream and like a top top uh you know top type of game and not top tier you know, franchise. Or serious, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, okay, so um, I guess we'll move on. So to actually, 
sorry, going off what Chris said there, it's like taking a B movie, releasing it, realizing how uh, you know uh, successful it is, and then turning it into a Hollywood blockbuster. <laughs> okay, this next uh, this next call in from uh, is from Heligad here, so let's give this a play. Hi, Dot, and everyone else. It's uh, Gene, better known as um, Heligad, on the Horrors Alive. Wait, what? <laughs> wait, his, what the hell? Wait, his name is Gene as well, and he's Australian. <laughs> what are the odds of that? We've already had this guy on. We've had this man on. His name is the <laughs> Selfish Gene, not 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 Heligad, but okay. he's probably like his younger clone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's continue though. Um, I've been playing a bit of Deadly Silence this week, um, and I had a few interesting things that I thought I might bring up. Um, I noticed that the scene with Kenneth's head falling down in the uncut biohazards was present in Deadly Silence, uh, both the American, European, and Japanese versions, it, whereas the opening cutscene is still in black and white, still cut up. I thought that was a bit pathetic because the opening cutscene is pretty dumb in comparison to the gore that's shown in the uncut Kenneth Head scene. Wow, that that's he brings up a good point there. The intro isn't colored; it's uh, it's still in black and white, and the uh, you know the, the Kenneth Head scene is you know it's it's unedited. There, you know, you see his head falling down. That's that's. I wonder why they did that. I guess maybe to keep the original's charm. Maybe it's like. Uh... As I remember playing the UK version of Aurora of Ori 1 on the PlayStation, and I can recall uh, the opening sequence being in black and white. Yeah, that's that's partially, I... though, because of the censorship, because uh, it does show, like, Joseph's blood uh, as they pan over his body. But in the PC version, and oddly enough, in the German Resident Evil 1 PC, or PlayStation 1 version, they're in color. That's the only. That's the only colored versions. That, that is. Are. That is very odd. <laughs> very odd. That is odd. Um, and I also found that the classic mode was not particularly classic. It still required use of the touch screen, but maybe I'm just being a bit too picky here. But yeah, that still didn't seem particularly classic. Well, now I need to take issue with this. If he's talking about like item item box management and all that you can you can still do that on the uh on with the d-pad and all that uh i don't i don't recall any puzzles being different in that version though like where it would i don't th i don't think i think you might be wrong there but you know if, if if i'm wrong you know let me know on the forums the specifics of that um your logical puzzles um when you go and get the i think doom book 2 you have to go back into the guardhouse and fight Yawn again with a knife. Um, I brought a bazooka to that fight, and I don't see why I couldn't use that, and I had to go up against a massive snake with just a puny little knife. Goddamn right. I died a few times <laughs> in that battle. I mean, if you take all the logic out of your thinking and just go ahead, then it's fun. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I would always choose a bazooka over a knife any day in a fight with a snake as big as that, but I wouldn't use a knife anyway. Also, I found that to call Yawn out when you're in the music room and for the second battle, you had to spin a record player. I didn't see what that had to do with anything. I just want to point out now, he was saying just now about, you know, if he ever got into a hypothetical battle with a snake, he would carry a bazooka rather than a knife. What if he was <laughs> up against a common garden snake? 
you'd do more damage to yourself than the snake. You'd end up blowing <laughs> half the garden up. You don't want to do that. But but yeah, apart from that, yeah, you, you, were, you were saying. Yeah, but to get on to his point, I kind of like that record spinning puzzle. You had a you had a sort of turn it around at the right speed, or else it would you know it would be out of uh, out of tune. I felt it was a bit better than just uh, examining a piano and hitting a button on it. Uh, but hey, maybe that's just me. Yeah, again, that is, yeah, that is a fun puzzle, but it, I just don't know, I don't know. It just kind of struck me as illogical. Um, I did like Deadly Silence overall. It was a big improvement to the original Resident Evils. You could skip cutscenes, which is a really good improvement because I've, you can only listen to those opening words so many times. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I don't, I don't know. There, Heligad, I, I think I could probably listen to that for the rest of my life, but he brings up a good point. You can skip cutscenes and also door loading animations, which is a oh. massive improvement, especially yes. for speedrunners. But for me personally, you know, I the rebirth mode introduces a number of new things, which kind of, you know, I didn't really know how to do it or where to get the things, so. That was definitely a massive help. I would, I probably, I personally wouldn't cut the uh, door opening sequences because I think they're iconic of the series. They are iconic, but not when you're like pressed for time and you really need to get something done. And then you just get bored and you kind of just tune out and don't want to play it anymore. It just puts you off. So just skipping right to the um, dining room. That's really good. I like that. Um, yeah. So I suppose that's all. All right. Uh, hope I hear my voice on the next podcast. All right. See you later. Well, thanks for. Well, thanks there for, he is. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Heligan. Uh Good report there on the DS version. Some things that I missed. Uh, but uh, we have another. We, know, we have another call in here. We have two more left. Uh, let's let's go to this one. This is uh, Shane Murphy on the boards. Hi. Here's my question. In Resident Evil One, what is the track that you will always remember? The background music. I mean. For me, it's probably the main hall in the mansion, the creepy music. I think it's aged really well, and it could even be used for games nowadays. What about you? Thanks. Oh. I'm going to say, what a great accent. That's it, the best it, accent we've heard on this podcast. I don't know, I think I like Jeans as well, but... Getting, Jeans is good. Getting to his question, though, jeez, um, you know, that's kind of difficult. The main hall is so iconic and, and well-remembered, you know, well-recognized. But personally, for me, I think it would probably be the guardhouse music. You know that that music that plays that's sort of haunting. Uh, st- I don't know. I, I can't really call, recall what's what it's uh, what kind of instrument it's, it is. But I'll I'll lay it over where I'm speaking right now, so you guys can. It's know. very ominous. Yeah, it? yeah. It's it's very foreboding. You know, it foreshadows something ominous going on. You know, your battle with Plant 42, but. How about you, John? What which track is uh, most memorable to you? Well, I've got to say it has to be the save room music because it's just you go there and you it's a music it's it's a sound that you begin to associate with peacefulness, with, yeah. with security, with safety, and uh, I, I like how you know your mind uh, psychologically speaking how it kind of uh, associates certain sounds or certain things. You feel when you hear that music, you feel ah, it's relief, it's moment where you're you're safe for now. You know, you're you're in a room, it's secure, you're safe, whatever you know. Definitely. Good. How about you, Chris? I like the save room music too. It's just 
it's got a great atmosphere to it and it, it really the way it feels for me is it gives you a sense of uh, a little bit of a sense of safety yeah it's, it sort of gives you like some uh, some breathing room yeah it does but it, it also one thing it does for me that, that I think makes me like it as my favorite it, it sounds that it's a little bit safe but it still has a creepiness to it a little bit of an eerie, eeriness that lets you keep in mind that even though you're in a safe room there's still things not right yeah okay it's like you're safe you're safe for now but evil just lurks just behind that door <laughs> exactly okay uh, and finally we have a call in from the famous Rob McGregor uh, better known as Rombie he is one of the cone owners of uh Resident Evil fan of New Blood, so let's see what he has to say. Hey guys, it's Rob McGregor from ResidentEvilFan.com. What's he calling in from the mansion there? Do you hear that echo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just here to talk about Resident Evil, I guess. Uh, I've been looking forward to you guys covering the original game, and I kind of didn't expect you to do it straight away. It's kind of actually taken me off the side, though I have managed to play through both the original Resident Evil on the Sega Saturn, the PAL version, and uh, Biohazard. Uh, director's Cut, that's actually the uh, downloadable version uh, from the PSN store. Ah, I'd be interested to hear uh, about the PSN version, if it's any different. I, I assume it wouldn't be, but let's let's see what he has to um, I managed to get that thanks to Umon um, on the forums. Um, basically managed to play through the original Saturn version for the first time in, gosh, it'd be about seven or eight years, and uh, it uh, hasn't aged well. <laughs> um, you know, people were making jokes about the look of Chris in Resident Evil 5. Man, you uh, should probably go back and check the Sega Saturn version for how, how blocky his arms are. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point, because he is kind of muscular, you know? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it has aged well, though. Uh, maybe not the Saturn version, but, you know, the graphics in general, I think... Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just uh, old now, but... In my opinion, they, they're quite passable. Like you know, the the use of the 3D pre -re pre rendered backgrounds, I think lends lends a great deal to to it aging well. You know, the the character models they they look humanoid. You know, there's nothing obviously like oh that's that's wrong. They I I I don't know. I I think they look uh they look good. Yeah. But other than that, it's um a pretty hard challenge. I'd um actually forgotten how difficult the um. Not only the controls were in general um, controlling like a tank, you know, it's the first time I played it for such a long time. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's one of those things that I, it took me a while to get used to. I actually died uh, so much from some of, the, some of the enemies, especially those hunters. They're just relentless in the original game. Oh no, he's he's become one of the uh, Resident Evil 5 advocates for strafing. Oh, Rob, <laughs> Rob what, ha what happened? We've lost someone, um, and, and it made such a such a different kind of uh, impact um, than I had thought it was. You know, it wasn't a, a, a much of a walk through the park as I'd expected. Um, the, the game is uh, visually pretty poor by these standards. I think uh, you're probably looking better better version on the uh, PC, but the uh, bonus features uh, make more than make up for it, and. Um, the uh, the battle game in itself is uh, clearly a predecessor to the um, the same one in Code Veronica. Uh, it's it's um, 
very difficult uh, unto itself because you have all so many limitations um, and the extras with you know, the, the tyrant, the gold tyrant and so forth uh, and the zombie whisker um, just make for such a, a huge, huge difference. Now, I'd really want to try this battle mode now to see, just to see zombie Wesker because I, I never beat the Saturn version so I'd be really interested in seeing this battle mode. I wonder if it's... Is it? Do you guys know? Is it timed, or have you guys beaten it? Or I have no idea. Come on, look who you're asking here. <laughs> we barely played the original game. Oh, well, oh. All right, we'll get back to Rob. Realistically, I don't. I don't know what you guys are covering there, but um, it, um, if anyone hasn't had the chance to play the Sega Saturn version, or you know, has it there and has, has been putting it off, they should probably try it. Um, it's a, a different experience, um, but. Um, as for the Biohazardritis card, I played through with Jill on that, and I played the advanced mode, and it was, um, it wasn't the, uh, again, they made the changes obviously with the intent of making it slightly more difficult, um, but there are definitely easy tactics, I, th I think I saw someone mention on the forums, um, I think it might have been, um, Whisker, but he, he made the comment that you know if you if you you can save ammo by using the knife more productively, and I, and it is especially for Jill's game a lot easier to hold on to that knife. Uh, is he is he a lunatic? I, I every time I've tried to use the knife, it's just resulted in disaster. Is that isn't that <laughs> isn't that the case with you guys? Uh, it depends. If you're if you're up against like one zombie, it's not too bad. Really? You? I've always well, had it, it where. On the game. I've always had it where, you know, I try to knife them and then, you know, they'll instantly just grab me after two, two or three slashes. You know, I don't have time to back up. Well, it I think he's, on... he might be talking more about uh, shooting them and then when they oh, hit okay, the ground right. and knife them. Because I did that a few times right in the beginning to save some ammo and it, it worked pretty decently. That's like required learning for Resident Evil 4 right there, but I've never really tried that tactic in one. You know, I've always, yeah. I've always favored having an item slot free than carrying the knife. It's um it depends on the game as well, you might say. I mean in, in Code Veronica X the knife is particularly powerful. Oh uh, yeah. You sure. can you can take out zombies with ease with that. But I mean clearly some of the scenes and are set up with enemies around corners and and uh, uh, they've clearly tried to make it a challenge or change mix it up wherever possible, change where um you're seeing a certain enemy you're expecting something to come through a certain window and it doesn't and and it, it, you know it's not given enough credit for a lot of the changes they made you know um to appease the market while people were waiting for the sequel i'd be interested in seeing a detailed report on what the changes were because i i'd always assumed that it would just it was just the dogs jumping through windows and stuff but it there perhaps there's more does it does it change item placement do you know chris uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it changes some item placements. Oh, okay. what, like key items and such? Yeah, I gotcha. think so. Gotcha, okay. That'd be interesting to, to play through. I know that one of the things that confused me was the arranged game in uh, Resident Evil 2. It's just, you know, uh, easier. It's like the Japanese version of the game. So it's 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 not even really a arranged game at all. It's just uh, easier. Um, realistically, that's all it was released for, but... Um, you know, it, it makes enough changes that it's, it's definitely worthwhile. Um, the original game is still my favourite, um, and I think playing through um, perhaps it's aged a little bit more than I thought, and uh, there's definitely some, some issues with it, um, but it's definitely not the worst game to, uh, to play through. Um, 
I think fans of the series now absolutely, absolutely despise trying to play through it now. They just find it slow and and enemies you know, very slow as well. And the whole pacing of the game's off, and there isn't really much of a story. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's got a good setup and good atmosphere, uh, but realistically, at the end of the day, there isn't much of a, a story to it um, that continues to to build. Um, and I think that was the thing that surprised me. I remember the story being a lot stronger, and it really isn't that much. Um, That's an interesting point because I don't know. I guess I'd 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 say the same. You know, I sort of remembered the story as being you know this very grand, you know, oh mystery and such. But I guess not. Well, you got to read the manual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really do. Seriously, if you read the manual, because I actually went back and did that, and I have the original manual from the long box uh, version. Yeah. And and I tried to think about it like, like I hadn't, you know, I don't, I didn't know anything about the game, and I just looked at it, and it does seem a bit mysterious, and uh, you know, it was really interesting. Yeah, like especially the character profiles and all that. It sort of gives you some oh, backstory. Yeah. yeah. I think do they do they even like mention the Arclay murders and such in there? Or? Um, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Ah, gotcha. It seems like all the old games back then, you really needed to have a manual to read in order to get the story, because they couldn't really, you know, convey it as as uh, as 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 well as they do now these days, because, you know, disk space limitations or, you know, tools limitations back then. Yeah. Um, but the path thing is there, um, seeing different things each time you play the game, um, I mean, realistically, that that's still a strong point, but story-wise itself, not not really great. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty terrible. Um, I don't think I have much more else to say. Um, kind of wanted to keep this about five minutes, so it's been about that length. I don't know how it's going to be edited together, but very best. Um, I guess I'll uh, let this go. It's been Rob McGregor, and I'll talk to you another time. Cheers. So Rob McGregor coming from Resident Evil Fan directly from the Resident Evil Mansion. I assume the uh <laughs> the lab areas since his echo seemed to indicate as such. Uh Rob, if you need help, just remember you're our Amazon and you can take that tyrant down. <laughs> oh come on, nobody got that. <laughs> I, I got it, I got it. Okay, and that's going to do it for episode three of the podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, sorry we didn't have a third segment. We couldn't really think of anything at the moment, but we hope you enjoyed the uh, trailer there. We, we did have a third segment, didn't we? We had the comments. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the comments will be the third section from now on, and, and if we have you know a special bonus interview or what, what have you, that'll be the fourth. But for the next RPD Dispatch, we'll be doing Code Veronica. Uh, whether you want to play Code Veronica or Code Veronica X, doesn't really matter. Um, there's several different versions out now. The Dreamcast, of course, uh, PlayStation 2, and now GameCube, I believe. I think that's all the versions, but yeah, we'll be playing that. And, um, you know, I want to thank uh, all the people that called in. Uh, Rob McGregor from Resident Evil Fan, uh, Shane Murphy, Andy Ferru, uh, Heligad, and, of course, Gene. Uh, thanks, guys, for the detailed reports on the games and questions and such. Uh, really enjoy hearing from you guys. Uh, let us know what we're doing right, and let us know what we're doing wrong, as I say. Uh, and let us know if uh, you like that beta trailer uh, commercial in between the segments, because if you liked it, we'll probably do some more of it. Um, so that's going to probably do it for the podcast. Uh, I am Dot50Cal. I'm Mr. Spencer. And I'm Alzer. We'll leave you off with the musical stylings of Project Omega, which should get you into the groove of playing.
called Veronica. <sighs> I came. 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 I'm Al Zare, better known as I came. Crap. Okay. I got He made the same mistake as me. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 3 of the RPD Dispatch. I am Dot 50. Fuck! Alright. I came. I came. I came. I saw a walkthrough for it in Game Facts magazine, and I just like the way it Stop. looked. Stop! There's no Game Facts magazine. What is this? Oh, Game Pro. <laughs> Game Pro. Okay, we'll just start over. How about yeah. you? <clears throat> How about you, Chris? From uh, his, his gamer girlfriend, which uh, I don't really agree with. Um, <laughs> you know, when when you want to play something on the television, you know, you, you, your girlfriend doesn't want to be arguing with you over control of who has the HD TV or whatever. Your girlfriend has to be there beside you, holding your arms, scared while you fight the bad guys. You know, she shouldn't be the one fighting the battle herself, unless of course she's Sigourney Weaver in the film Aliens, in which you know I I fully endorse. But I digress. What I was trying to say is, well, I probably lost, lost track of what I was going to say now. Yeah. All right, that'll. He's just there to please the Africans who didn't like the fact that they were coming. Oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh no! You're going to apologize now to? Oh, what was it earlier in the show? I, I see African people it. now. I'll type it up now. Get my, you know, my, uh, oh. my outline. Oh, but Chris... I just hit the Japanese one and just replaced the word Japanese. <laughs> Anime fans with famine suffering. Awesome. I love the I love the views and Chris's enthusiasm and Chris's voice. That is like I got 50 cows. I'm the center. Um, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it sounded that bad. <laughs> no, it did sound bad. As I said before, the new extras aren't well implemented. I've stuffed up this end part. I'm gonna go again. Sorry. Shave Shiva's axe. I hear it, it often. Was this in a magazine? Was this like a magazine typo or what? The magazine made a typo, but someone made a meme out of it, and now people are repeating <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't. Still I don't. Oh, I don't get to check the forums as much as as I as I used to be, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> it's just that someone just put, I'm, I'm hearing that someone just put on the post saying, "Oh, so why is Rumble Christie shaving Shiva's ass?" I'm like, what, "What's this? Is this, <laughs> this is a video game I've not heard about." That'd be that'd be interesting. Which, if it was a mini game, then it would also raise the question: you know, should it have a Wii release? <laughs> Take the Wii remote too, you know, and you have like make motions with it that you were. Yeah, when you turn it on, the Wii remote will vibrate, so it's hard for you to shave the ass without cutting. <laughs> but 
No, no, because it. Are we talking? Are we talking an electric regular or anything like a disposable razor here? I mean, it's, I was know, assuming it's electric. But <laughs> it is just something to think about, John. You know, you're gonna. If it's because if it's like a normal disposable razor, because what I mean, what kind of razor do you use to shave someone's ass? I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't know from experience, but when I shave, I use a, uh, I use a Gillette Mac Free. No wait, a Gillette Mac Free to shave my beard. But I don't know how that applies for artists. I don't, know, I don't know if that's the same. What? No. He just went on this giant, you? just went on this giant tangent about sh shaving Shiva's ass. How it would be a wee mini game and. Yeah, oh. if it was a mini game on the Wii, if you were shaving uh, uh. Shiva's ass on the Wii, I mean, I know when I shave, I use. I mean, Dr. John said, you know, would it vibrate? That would imply it was electric. Is electric razor, but we don't use electric razors to shave people's asses, do we? I mean, I I shave my my face with with a uh, a Gillette Mac Free, like a, it vibrates, but it's not electrical one. But it's not like electric razor. It's not a shaver, you know. All right, we spent too much time on this. This is blooper material. But, but, but... I don't know it because a razor, a razor is like a razor blade, but a shaver is like an electric shaver. <laughs> you're going into this way too far and making me uncomfortable because you're making me think. You're you're like putting it out there now. You're like everyone. What do you what do you use to shave your ass? I'm really interested in this now. I'm gonna do this. But but what's the best way to go about it? I'm gonna find a post. I'm gonna find a post in off topic tomorrow. Uh, what do you guys recommend for shaving a sensitive area? Uh, electric or, or, or a good old razor? You can you can mock me all you want, but I think this is a very important issue that we're looking we're looking in RE5. People are thinking, oh, you know, West is, is West going to be in it, or is that going to be in it, or where's Spencer going to be? No, these are not the questions we are supposed to be asking. The question we should be asking is, what kind of razor will Chris be using?